What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the 2A Lifestyle. This is the first episode, sans Mike. Uh, very, very sad, but unfortunately, uh, you know, I will be going solo. We'll be looking for maybe about adding another co-host onto the podcast, but I'm glad Mike is going to better himself and achieve his dreams and his goals. Uh, with that, also, I am sorry for the unexpected break. Uh, it has been a month since our last podcast, but you know, some shit happened, birthdays, uh, personal, professional, all that kind of stuff. And by the time it was, you know, I had some time to redo a podcast. It was like, I'm already like fucking the week for this podcast to be recorded. So I just went ahead and uh, stuck with this one and, and just had a, a little unexpected vacation uh, doing a podcast episode. So we will go on and, and go forward and, and we will continue to be uh, on the you know regular schedule as is. Uh, also, let's go ahead and get the house rules in order. Let's go ahead. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast. That's the best way to keep up with new podcasts as they come out. Also, if you can, leave us a review. The offer still stands. If you are leaving us a five-star, well, honestly, if you're leaving us any review, and as long as you're telling us what we are doing right, what we're doing wrong, uh, we will send you some free swag. Just shoot us a private message on social media showing a screen shot of you leaving the review and then as soon as it hits uh, we will reach back out to you get your information and send you out some free stuff also if you can check out our social media that is the best way to keep up with news stories and some funny memes and shit uh, in between podcast also you know you can find us everywhere at 2A Lifestyle uh, on Instagram, MeWe Facebook, Twitter uh, we are most active on Instagram and Facebook just because of the fact that those are just kind of the behemoths of social media. Also, go ahead and check out our Patreon. Anything you guys gives us, it goes directly into this podcast, and it is meant for the better. Uh, SHOT Show registration is this week. We are registered for SHOT Show, uh, so we will be going there, and everything that you guys have given us, it's going directly to give you guys the latest and greatest for that. So hopefully when SHOT Show comes around, we can get some good guests. If you have any guests that you want us to have on the podcast, please reach out to us and let us know who you want uh, so that way we can know what you guys are, are wanting content wise so with that let's go ahead and start getting into the show Well, the first story we're going to be talking about is obviously anytime that there's anything that has to do with these shooting sports, we are going to highlight it on this episode or on this podcast period, not just this episode, this this podcast period. Uh, the first thing that we're going to be talking about comes to us from Amelan and it's Team Federal uh, finished strong in 2021 USPSA Walther Championship. Uh, they finished strong in the carry uh, open the carry optics limited single stack production revolver and PCC. Uh, Team Heron won first place in the single stack. Uh, Corey 
Klesimesevich, I'm assuming that's how you pronounce that last name, finished sixth in the PCC division. And all of these shooters used the 9mm Syntec action pistol. So good job on Team Federal. Uh, let's go ahead and start getting into some serious news. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about how the Second Amendment, uh, you know, in D.C., we are obviously very familiar with the Heller v. D.C. case, which uh, basically was the greatest Second Amendment victory in the Supreme Court in probably a century, if not longer. Uh, but basically, the Helen v. D.C. Uh, you know, decision ruled that the Second Amendment is an individual right. It's not what, you know, the gun control media wants to say that, you know, it's only replies, to, you know, applies to the militia because militia stated in there. Heller v. Uh, Heller v. D.C. said, no, that is incorrect. So D.C. was held liable for violating the Second Amendment rights. Uh, and now this is obviously going back to an older case, uh, going into it from... I believe it's 2015 from something that they did. And this obviously comes to us from Amelan. Uh, and the title of it was Judge Holds D.C. Liable for Violating Second Amendment Rights. So uh, good on that. And going kind of long in the next very unfortunate uh, rulings from judges uh, is this comes to us from Amelan. And its title is Judge Denies Rare Breeds Injunction Against ATF Over Gun Trigger. Now, if you aren't familiar with what this is, uh, Rare Breed Triggers came out with something called the FRT-15 Trigger. And what that is, is basically it is something so, like similar to a binary trigger. And if you're not familiar with a binary trigger is, uh, basically it fires a round with each function of the trigger, uh, the pressing of the trigger, and the release of the trigger. So uh, it, the FRT is very similar, but it is different. Uh, it's not a binary trigger, so that's why they have their, you know, it's their own kind of deal. Uh, the ATF came out earlier this year and told them that they are not allowed to be making that trigger anymore because the ATF is considering it a machine gun by adding this trigger. Uh, Rare Breed uh, basically said, fuck you, that is incorrect. Uh, and Rare Breed is fighting it legally. Now, and I will say this, Rare Breed does have a legal defense fund. If you go to Rare Breed Trigger's um, website, they have a legal defense fund because this is not cheap. Uh, obviously, all that kind of, you know, any type of legal action where you got to take something to court is very costly. Uh, and Rare Breed is not a, you know, it is a larger company, but it is not, you know, a Glock. It's not a Smith & Wesson or a SIG. Uh, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, fuck, it's not even like a Sons of Liberty Guns work or a uh, LMT, uh, you know, it's not like that. It's kind of like, I would say, probably like a third tier. Uh, you know, they, they are a well-known brand, but they aren't, you know, huge. Uh, they're very kind of narrow in their market. So, you know, obviously they're not, you know, making, you know, they're not fucking Scrooge McDuck and, and swimming through gold coins in a safe. Uh, so, you know, they are fighting the good fight. And unfortunately, a you know, what they did is they asked uh, an injunction from a federal judge to say, hey, you know, we think that the ATF is not using good testing techniques because the ATF did provide some old testing in regards to this. Uh, and they said, you know, hey, we think the ATF is, is not, you know, doing us justice by testing our product properly. Uh, therefore, because they're uh, unjust testing, they are saying that this is a machine gun when it is not. 
Um, so they asked for an injunction, basically asking the judge to uh, deny the ATF from requesting them to stop selling. And also, not only that, you know, they're requesting rare breed triggers to give a list of customers that they have already sold this to. And basically, rare breed triggers has told them to kick rocks as well in regards to this. But unfortunately, in regards to the injunction to ask them to not stop selling the judge has denied that injunction from rare breed triggers uh and also you know there there's been a bunch of bullshit about this as well uh you know rare breed is also suing big daddy unlimited for uh patent infringement uh which they have been successful in that you know big daddy unlimited uh is really fucking shitty in regards to what they've done to red breed triggered you know they did this because they realized this is a good product uh red uh big daddy unlimited you know knew that rare breed was going against uh the ATF at the time so they kind of went against them kind of when they were down uh but unfortunately you know well I'm sorry fortunately for them they did win that but unfortunately for them they did lose in this particular instance uh kind of going along with shitty things that the atf is doing uh the atf has recently uh come out in well okay so the backstory to this is is that joe biden has stated that you know the gun problem in chicago has to do with ffls and if you aren't familiar with what an ffl is the ffl is a federal firearms license which is a license you have to get from the federal government via the atf uh to sell guns as a business so uh joe biden has said that the you know along with uh, mary lightfoot of chicago who is the mayor there saying that the reason why there's so many uh, crimes in Chicago is because the FFLs of Chicago are refusing to cooperate with the ATF on E-Traces. Now, what an E-Trace is, and we've talked about it before on the show, but just kind of a brief overview of what an E-Trace is again. Say, for example, uh, you know, Chicago police roll up on a body uh, that's been shot to death in the streets, and next to it is a Glock 19, and they think, oh, well, this is the murder weapon that killed this guy. So what they would do is they would uh, send a request to Glock because obviously if it's a Glock, you know, Glock is going to have paperwork. You know, if, if you make firearms, you have to keep paperwork for every firearm that you serialize with the, you know, for the ATF. So what they'll do is they'll go to Glock and say, we have this Glock 19 serial number one, two, three, four, five. Uh, who did you, you know, when did you make this gun and who did you sell it to? And they'll say, oh, well, uh, we made this Glock 19 uh, January 1st, 2021, and we gave it to Jim Bob's uh, Gun and Pawn out of Bumfuck, Illinois. Well, then at that point, they would go to Jim Bob's in Bumfuck, Illinois, and say, you got this Glock from the Glock Factory uh, January 1st, 2021. We want to know who you sold it to. Now, you know, whenever you fill out a 4473, those that paperwork has to be kept by the FFL for so many years. And if the FFL goes out of business, then they have to send those 4473s to the ATF. Now, the ATF is, is a, you know, required by law to not 
digitize those records. So it is against the law for them to digitize any of those records. So they have to keep them in a warehouse somewhere like fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, so, you know, regardless if, if Jim Bob's, you know, gun and pawn was still open, they would ask Jim Bob's gun and pawn, or if they closed the, they would have sent them all the 4473s and they have to go to their Raiders of the Lost Ark warehouse to look it up. And they would say, oh, we sold this to Jim Smith, uh, you know, February 1st, 2021. And at that point in time, they can go to, you know, Joe Smith who should still have that gun or, you know, he could say, you know, I sold it to, you know, my neighbor, I, you know, most people, when they sell guns, they don't keep bill of sales and all that kind of shit. So that, that's basically what E-Trace is. But, you know, if a FFL denies the ATF an E-Trace, I mean, you as an FFL would be held liable, I'm sure, in some sort of criminal or civil case in regards, you know, to being... Uh, you know, negligible or whatever kind of fucking legalese you want to, you know, call it uh, in regards to that murder because you're, you're refusing to cooperate basically in a murder investigation, which really, you know, that's the only time you can e-trace something is if a crime has been committed. Uh, you know, you, they just can't e-trace it just because of the fact that, you know, oh, uh, Jim Bob, we found him, you know, with uh, a dime bag and he's got a gun. Let's all oh, let's e-trace this. And, you know, that's that's kind of not how it works. It's got to be a serious felonious assault, uh, or a person, you know, crime of persons. So, uh, that's, you know, no FFL has done that. So basically what has happened is there's been a FOIA request sent to the ATF asking them how many E-traces have been, you know, not answered by the FFL. And it has been, this article came out October 18th, uh, and it's, and at that time, it's been 106 days since the ATF has replied to this FOIA request. And basically what they're trying to do is to see if Joe Biden lied. Did he just pull this out of his head? Is this some sort of just talking point by the Biden administration to try and, you know, drum up some sort of, you know, gun control? Uh, and the ATF is stymieing this. This is bullshit. Uh, it is just insane the fact that they're doing this and basically covering his ass. Uh, to also go with the ATF, this is absolutely fucking insane. All right. So this is a story from Amelant and from CBS. Uh, the title of it is from Amelant is ATF fraud finally recognized by national media. Now, this was a CBS news investigation that CBS like aired on primetime fucking television. And so what's going on is that they have uncovered, you know, a whistleblower has uncovered, you know, millions of dollars in waste at the ATF. And what is going on is that this guy, he was high, he's a veteran. He's hired by uh, the ATF as a, basically like a human resources. And what his deal was is he was to go through the ATF uh, and, you know, deal with their pay. So the crux of the, you know, the matter here is what's called LEAP, which is law enforcement availability pay. And basically what it is, is that if you are in the ATF and you're actually in a law enforcement type position, not some desk jockey in fucking DC, you know, or you're the guy that's just stamping, 
uh, form ones or form threes, you know, whatever it may be, uh, that's coming in through NFA paperwork. You actually have to be, you know, going out there and, and working in a law enforcement capacity. Uh, you get leap pay. Now what leap pay is, is that you can get 20, you'll get 25% more than what you make. So say, for example, if you make $100,000, which honestly is not that far off of the realm, because, you know, I know a lot of, you know, alphabet boys that, you know, work around me and they make starting out about 70 to $80,000. So making $100,000 as an alphabet boy is really not that far off. So if you're making $100,000 and if you make this, if you get this leap added to your pay, now you're making $125,000. So this guy is actually has since been fired because this is you know, he went to the next person up in the chain of command and said, Hey, you know, I got these people that are making leap pay and I know they're not in law enforcement positions anymore. He said, you know, they said, okay, cool. We'll look at it. And since then he has gone from, you know, it started out with, he was, you know, above satisfactory, exceeding standards in his performance reviews to barely meeting standards or needs improvement. And he has since then been fired. Well, this guy, uh, you know, has come to CBS about it because, you know, is potentially just in his little office, millions of dollars that have been used in, you know, fraud for this leap pay. And shocker there, fraud and waste in government. I know, right? Uh, so he has since been fired. And, you know, since then, the ATF has come back and said, oh, hey, sorry, uh, you know, we'll, we got this fixed. They're not making the money anymore. They're not making leap pay, all the other kind of stuff. But this is just in this one office. No telling how many other offices this has taken place in. And that is just fucking crazy. I think if you are a you know, United States citizens, which I'm going to say this just because of the fact that I, you know, I look at our stats, we have many, uh, listeners across the world. Uh, you know, we're big in Canada, big in Australia, uh, you know, places like that. But if you live in the United States and you're a United States citizen, you need to be contacting your representatives. You need to be contacting your state, you know, not your state senators, your federal senators, you know, you know, United States senators, and let them know that, hey, we want some more accountability for this because this is millions of dollars of my taxpayers' money just being pissed away. To kind of go along with the whole uh, Chicago thing, what's, what's going on there? Uh, this is interesting as well. And it kind of goes along with some of my next stories is this comes to us from Amaland and its title is Chicago time bomb anarchy looming as FOP resist facts mandate. Now, uh, in many other progressive cities, you have these vaccine mandates. Uh, I'm a huge college football fan. Uh, Washington State College, uh, Washington State University, which is, you know, it's not the greatest football program in the world, but it is a fairly big football program on that side of the country. Um, they lost their head coach and they've lost two huge coaches, assistant coaches, uh, because Washington now has a vaccine mandate for Washington state employees, which they'd be considered state employees because they work for the state university. Fucking fired. He's gone. 
So now in Chicago, the vaccine mandate for municipal employees is winding up soon where you have to be fully vaccinated. Well, half of the Chicago Police Department is saying, fuck that. So, uh, you know, Mayor Lori Lightfoot is kind of in a fucking just a absolute... What's the word I'm trying to think of? She is in a crux position just because of the fact that, you know, she needs to protect the city. Well, that that's her fucking job. She is the mayor there. She's supposed to be protecting the city. She's supposed to have the best interest of Chicago in her mind whenever she's making these decisions. But now she looks like where she might have half of the police department on unpaid leave until they get vaccinated, which, you know, obviously the FOP and these police officers are not wishing to do because of one reason or another. Um, But and something else that's interesting is that Mayor Lori Lightfoot has asked the surrounding sheriff's departments of Chicago, hey, can you assist us answering these calls whenever half of our police department is gone? And they've said, fuck you. We're not going to be answering your calls. We will come assist you if you have an officer in distress situation, like if an officer is in a shootout or if an officer is injured. But we're not going to be doing your job because that is not ours. That is not our job. You know, our job is to be the sheriff's office and you have a, your own police department. That is your job. And so now Mayor Lori Lightfoot's kind of in this position where, you know, Chicago is already, you know, 640 people have been murdered there so far just this year. And now she's looking at possibly letting go half of the police department. And with that, this kind of goes into our next story. And give me a second. Uh, I will say this, that I actually was recording this uh, Wednesday. or not Wednesday, fuck. Sunday. I normally record Sundays. Gives me a couple days to edit, and then I publish it on Wednesday. Uh, but I was literally an hour into this episode, and then all of a sudden my fucking computer decided to just take a shit on me, and I lost all my recordings. So I'm, I'm going back and, and doing this again. So anyway... Uh, Oh, shit. Where is it? I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm so sorry, guys. And normally what has happened is I, like, arrange my stories in order. But because I had to come back and do this, I have to go back and look for my particular... Ah, Jesus. And I might not have that one thing. That's crazy. Anyway... So I had this one story, and I had it pulled up whenever I was doing it yes, yesterday, but apparently uh, I have not pulled it up this time. But anyway, I think it was the MLN article, and what it is is uh, concealed carry permits are it up, I think it was 21% since yesterday, or since last year, uh, and it is up 68% since 2016. So we are having an increase in concealed carry hold, uh, permits issued across the country, uh, which is great because you are ultimately responsible for your own safety and your own defense. Uh, and that is very interesting. Oh, here we go. All right. Uh, this actually comes with some sorry from Tactical Life, and the title of it is Concealed Carry Permit Surges Nationwide, Surpassing 21.5 Million Adults. I'm sorry, and it's actually a 10.5% increase over 2020, a 48% surge since 2016, which is great to say that more people are taking the responsibility of their own safety more and more. 
And to go with that, there is a new Supreme Court case coming out. And this is coming to us from MLN in the title of this anti-gunners launch campaign intimidating Supreme Court over 2A case. Now, if you aren't familiar with this case, this is a case that we have talked about before on this podcast. uh, And it is New York versus the New York Rifle Pistol Association, basically. Uh, And what it is, is the uh, New York has a may issue state and also they restrict the carrying of of weapons outside of the home basically saying you're only allowed to take it from the store to your home from your home to the range from the range to your home and that's it you're not allowed to have it outside for, you know for protection purposes whatsoever and new york is basically saying you know fuck you to your own self-defense well now this organization is taking it to the supreme court and it was actually a case that was supposed to have gone last year but new york tweaked the law to make that case moot but now they had to restart that whole process and the oral arguments should be heard within the next couple weeks and what this could mean is that it's going to turn at, and I've heard two different stories on this uh, from actually reputable people. So the first is, is that this is going, and I think this is for sure what can happen, uh, is that this is going to turn every May issue state, which is where if you turn in your application for a concealed carry permit and you turn it into your local law enforcement authority, because that's normally who does it except for fucking Florida for some reason, uh, the Department of agriculture's fucking deals with their pistol permits. I don't know why. Uh, But you turn in your application and in a May issue state, the authority over that can basically say yes, no, or not even bother to respond. Now, shall issue states uh, are saying that you have to give an answer, either yes or no. So, and, and, you know, if they give a no, you know, it has to be a reason why. You know, you either consider this person to not be, uh, cons- you know, a, a prohibited person, uh, like either a domestic violence or felonious conviction, uh, protection order, mental, uh, you know, committal, that kind of deal. Or, you know, you consider them, hey, I know this, like, you know, a law enforcement officer can say, like, hey, I, like, I know this guy's a gang member. He just hasn't been caught yet. Uh, here's, you know, the, the information we have on him, that kind of thing. Uh, anyway. So they have to give her, you know, be a reason why they, they told you no. So that is one position I've heard in regards to this case. The second position I've heard in regard to this case is that it's going to turn constitutional carry via the Supreme Court, basically saying that all concealed carry licenses are unconstitutional because the government cannot say that a person can or cannot carry outside the home. So that, that's obviously very optimistic. I don't see that happening just because of the fact uh, that that might be too much of overstepping the bounds of this case. Uh, but it's it's happened before where the Supreme Court has basically done whatever the fuck they wanted. And they've gone and, you know, wrote law basically by an opinion. Uh, instead of just saying that the law is either legal, you know, unconstitutional or constitutional. Going on into the next thing, uh, this is from article, or this article is from MLN, and its title is FBI 2020 Crime Data Destroys Gun Control. I don't necessarily, I think this is a misleading article, but I just wanted to point this out uh, just because of the fact that 
Uh, it's very important to have statistics on your side whenever you are having an intellectual debate with somebody. You need to back your arguments with facts. And if you are a freedom-loving American like I am, which is why you're listening to the show 90, 99% of the time, I'm assuming, uh, if not 100%, just because you know that's important, you need to back your arguments with facts. So I wanted to throw this out here. So basically, uh, it says the FBI, FBI acknowledged in its crime report from last year that it's estimated Estimates are based on data received from 15,800 of the 18,600 law enforcement in the countries. Uh, And it's saying admittedly it's not complete, but it is telling. Uh, and what it says is back in 2019, according to the FBI, rifles were identified as a murder weapon in only 375 of the that year's 10,500 criminal homicides. Uh, in 2018, it was 304. Well, in 2020, uh, it's gone up to 454. But that just, uh, it's saying, you know, that's not just semi-autos. That's any kind of rifle. So it could be a bolt action, lever action, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, and something else is that the total number of homicides has increased from 17,000 or from 2019 of 14,391 to 2020 of 17,754. So that is on the rise, but 2020 has been an absolute insane year uh basically saying as long story short it's not about the internal workings of a same amount of rifle they function essentially the same uh it's just you know bad guy with intentions is going to use whatever tools necessary uh i'd be interested to see the further breakdown on this uh i'm interested to see how many of those are, are suicides because that's something else that a lot of people talked about in 2020 with the lockdowns and whatnot is that, you know, and I know this personally myself just through, through my work is that, you know, I saw a lot more suicides than normal just because people were ultimately depressed, shut in, shut away from their social uh, network and things like that. Uh, this next story is something I think that's just kind of cool. I wanted to throw in here. This comes to us from the Farms blog, uh, and it's Al Capone's sweetheart Colt 1911 sells for 1.04 million dollars, uh, which is far past the 150 thousand dollar estimated auction price. There were some other things of Capone's that were sold: uh, a uh, Colt 380 pistol. Uh, sold for $242,000, which is double than its expected price. Uh, there was a platinum and diamond pocket knife of Al Capone sold for $78,650. And then some various personal letters uh, sold for $56,000. I just think that's really cool. I, I, I love history, that kind of stuff. Uh, this is also kind of crazy. Uh, this comes to us from Ameland. Now, if you are familiar, we've talked before about Smith & Wesson's M&P 12 shotguns and basically how they're exact copy of Keltex by the look of it. There's already safety recalls on these fucking things. So basically what is happening is that the barrel is starting to crack and split which is absolutely insane. You think that's the one thing you would make sure on your firearm would not get wrecked just do normal usage because I mean these things have been out, I mean they've been out what 2 months max I think maybe 3 and you're already having issues so you're not putting a whole lot of rounds through those damn things for them to already have these kind of issues. Uh, so basically, it's saying that if you have an MP12 shotgun manufactured prior to October 15, 2021, 
you can, you know, call and make sure there's no barrel anomalies. Uh, they ask people to stop using them immediately and to contact Smith and Wesson, uh, which is, that, that's just fucking insane, man. Uh, it, it's just crazy to think, you know, there's a lot of polymer on this gun. You thought that maybe some of the polymer, uh, was going to be the issue, but no, it's the, the barrel. That, that's fucking insane. Uh, this next article uh, comes to us from the Firearms blog, and it's kind of old news, but I just we hadn't talked about it since we hadn't done an episode uh, last, you know, our last uh, cycle that we were supposed to do. So, uh, and this title is Smith and Wesson to relocate headquarters to Tennessee. Uh, and I was at a range day last week and, uh, there was a Smith and Wesson rep from there and they are, you know, already they're, they're building it pretty fucking quick. Uh, fortunately, uh, our order of Smith and Wesson, uh, firearms are coming to us now. Thank goodness. After we've been, we ordered them fucking things in February and we're just now starting to get them. Uh, so, and honestly, and this is crazy. This is from a law enforcement organization. We ordered some short barreled rifles and the ATF was our problem. Yes. You've heard that correctly. The ATF did not trust a law enforcement agency enough to, you know, that we had to go through the same paperwork that you guys do. And it took this long to get us our shit. Uh, so anyway, Smith and Wesson is investing in a $120 million facility, uh, in Maryville, Tennessee, which is going to be done by 2023 and it's expected to bring 750 jobs. So fuck you, Massachusetts and hello to Tennessee. That is amazing. Uh, something else, uh, real quick about the ATF. And again, sorry that this is just kind of out of place, but because I didn't get a chance to change my news stories around uh, an internal leak from the ATF shows that the ATF is doubling in size is planning to double in size and to expand in four new areas have four new branches basically what they're going to do is that the new branches will be in the firearms enforcement officer development branch and they are going to have three field response branches uh, basically east west and central uh, and they will be part of the Farms and Ammunition Technology Division and the Officer of Enforcement Programs and Services. So basically, the ATF is real. What I mean, based off of what this internal memo states, is that the ATF is really wanting to go after companies more, which is important for organizations like the NSSF, which we've talked about before, but what the NSSF is, is basically, uh, even though the NRA really isn't the NRA anymore, it's basically NRA version uh, equivalent to the firearms company. So basically it is like a lobby, you know, trade organization for firearms manufacturers, firearms accessory manufacturers, and they are to help protect them against this kind of bullshit. Well, the ATF is planning on doubling its size, uh, and most of their increased, uh, you know, size, their increased, you know, branch, you know, branches is going to be going after, uh, you know, manufacturers to make sure that they're following their bullshit rules, that they're planning on, you know, being able to test more products to see that these products are, you know are going in line with their made up, uh, attributions on, on what they're doing and stuff. It's just wild. Uh, it, it's just crazy. Next kind of feel good article, uh, that I'm going to talk about comes to us from Amelant and its title is the SAF victory in Pennsylvania gun range ban case. And basically what happens 
is that the S. Uh, the SAF, the Second Amendment Foundation, has won a preliminary injunction in a case involving zoning restrictions, which were designed to ban a gun range in the Robinson Township. Basically, what it was is that this township did not want a gun range built in their, you know, township jurisdictions or city jurisdictions, whatever the fuck it's called, and they basically prevented it by zoning. Well, the SAF found out this was going on. I don't know if this, you know, range reached out to the SAF and asked, Hey, uh, you know, we need some help. Will you mind helping us, you know, lending us some of your legal resources? And they brought a injunction against this township and it brought the township to its knees and basically said, Hey, you can't fucking do this. This is a legitimate business. You can't make up special rules to prevent them from opening up. And the judge has granted the preliminary injunction. So that is awesome on that. Uh, let's see what's going to be next. Again, just going through this just because I didn't have all my shit ready. Uh, didn't have all my stuff moved around like I normally do. Uh, next article comes just from Amaland. And his title is California Governor Newsom Adds New Gun Show Restrictions. Uh, and basically what has unfortunately happened is that the Senate Bill 264 uh, is prohibiting officers, employees, operators, leases, or licensees of the 32nd District Agricultural Association from entering into any agreement to allow for the sale of any firearm, firearm parts, or ammunition on property or buildings that compromise the Orange County Fair and Event Center or properties in Orange County or in Costa Mesa that are owned, leased, operated, and occupied by the district. So basically what this is, just kind of the down and dirty, is that it's preventing any sort of gun show activity, which is where you would sell uh, or buy farms, farms, parts, or ammunition uh, in any sort of government buildings. And this is just trying to restrict the areas that can be used because if you've been to a gun show, they can be pretty large things. Uh, they're normally held in event centers, civic centers, uh, things like that, you know, where you can have a shit ton of folding tables set up and people can just lay their shit out. You can walk around, you know, you normally snake through that thing so that way you don't miss anything. Uh, and then you, you know, go buy whatever the fuck you want. This is restricting gun shows to be held in those government buildings. Uh, I think that's horseshit, obviously. I think that is obviously an overreach uh, in preventing, uh, you know, it's discriminatory based off of a political uh, leaning. You know, obviously people, you know, that are at gun shows believe in the Second Amendment. So this is very discriminatory versus a particular political ideology. I hope that there are some organizations, whether it be SAF, FPC, FPF, uh, whatever it may be, uh, that hopefully challenges some sort of legal, whether it be federal or state, you know, challenges this law to of its legality because that is kind of it's almost basically kind of like the same things that we've seen uh, through the Second Amendment organizations during the lockdowns. You know, they considered firearms store and gun ranges non-essential businesses, uh, which any business is an essential business, if you ask my personal opinion. But they were trying to specifically impose gun control by closing those type of businesses. And that is very reminiscent of this new law that has been passed. Well, 
the next story we're going to be talking about, and actually two stories that we're going to be talking about uh, that kind of flirt along the gun gear news and reviews versus the main segment, but I just kind of want to throw these here in the main segment just because I thought that they were interesting enough to talk about. Uh, Blackhawk launches new custom holsters and accessories. Uh, you know, Blackhawk... You know, they have the Serpa holsters. Uh, those are pretty fucking garbage. Uh, now, they do also have this new holster. For the life of me, I can't fucking remember the name of it right now. Uh, but basically, it's a one-size-fits-all. As long as you have a uh, TLR-1 or if you have this little accessory piece on the bottom of your firearm, uh, it will fit any holster in there. Uh, you know, any firearm in that holster. Uh, those are pretty neat. I know a lot of people that have one. I actually personally have one. I kind of like it. Uh, just the only thing I don't like about it is that it is so large that it's, I don't know, it just seems like shit can get stuck in there, which is was the problem with the Serpa holster. You know, dirt, debris, rocks, and whatnot can get underneath the finger release of that paddle holster, and your firearm's stuck in that fucking thing. But basically what this is, this is Kydex holsters, uh, and it's not even good Kydex holsters from the looks of it. I mean, basically, it's a Kydex holster that has like a fancy plastic foamy clip, uh, which we've talked about before. If any Kydex holster has plastic clips, you need to just throw that shit in the garbage. You need to have good, sturdy metal clips. And the next article is also uh, along that same line. This is from the Firearms blog, uh, and its title is MP7 Style PDW in 300 Blackout? Question uh, mark. A Crier Patent Suggest Show. Now, if you don't know what the MP7 is, is that the MP7 is a uh, firearm by HK that people have been begging HK to import. Uh, they are available in European markets but because of the fact that the import laws of the United States are so fucking stupid in regards to firearms, uh, you know, you got it goes based off like a, a point system that we are unable to do those. Uh, there has been people that talked about like, you know, if you do this or that, you can bring import it, but HK just doesn't give a fuck. That's what they're famous for. They don't give a fuck. Well, Cryer Precision has sent out this new patent, uh, and it's very interesting to think that it's not necessarily, it's very MP style, you know, MP7 style-esque, uh, but obviously it's got a, f like, it's got to have a few things different, otherwise HK would sell for patent infringement. Um, it is a load in the grip style firearm, and in the patent pictures, it's very interesting because uh, it's angled kind of like a maybe like a 1911, I guess you would say, like the, the angle of the of the grip, not you know kind of like Glocks are a little bit more of like a right angle, you know, like almost closer to a 90 degree. These are a little bit you know kicked out a little bit more. Uh, the bullets on the magazine are angled uh, kind of like God fuck it it's hard to describe this in an audio podcast. Uh, they're anyway they're they're angled um, kind of like a, a that you know the side of a triangle like one of the you know triangle side. Uh, but the closer it gets up to the receiver they start to level out and it looks like it could be like a uh, stack and a half or maybe a double stack type magazine. Uh, it is a very interesting looking firearm. Uh, it's also the documents mentions calibers in 5.56, 7.62 by 39 and by 51, uh, 300 blackout, as well as 6.5 uh, variants and 
338 variants and so on and so forth. Uh, it says that, you know, obviously the seven, you know, in the article, they talk about the option of a 762 by 51, which is basically a 308 cartridge, maybe seem a bit excessive, uh, since it's overall, uh, length on the barrel is only 2.8 inches. Uh, while, you know, the AR size cartridges, uh, you're looking at a 2.26 overall length barrel. So uh, this is interesting, you know, uh, I love innovation. I think anytime, you know, somebody comes up with something new, even if it's a bad idea, it gets people thinking. Uh, so I'm, I'm interested to see how this goes and I'm interested to see what this can look like. Something else, uh, that I want to talk about just because it's pretty big fucking news, uh, that Springfield Armory has come out and actually what's interesting is, uh, you know, again, a lot of these articles I, you know, chose whenever and I actually chose articles for, you know, the, the episode I was going to have two weeks ago. Uh, but like I said, just when it came down time to recording, uh, just shit popped up, wasn't able to sit down. And then I was like, well, I'll just do it the next day. And then more shit happened. And, and the next thing I knew was like, fuck man, I only got like four or five days before I'm supposed to record the, the next episode. Anyway, we'll just hold off until then. So a lot of these stories, uh, you know, I had slotted for the last episode, I actually had a story slotted for the last episode about Springfield Armory possibly coming out with a Browning High Pyre clone. Uh, and today in uh, Springfield social media, they have released that they are coming out with their own Browning High Pyre clone. It's called the S or shit. I think it's the P35 or the SA35. I shared it on social media and I already fucking forgot. Uh, but basically, Springfield Armory is coming out with their own Browning High Power. Now, basically, what they have said is that they've made some improvements to it. I don't know what the fuck they can improve because they didn't add a uh, like a, a rail. Uh, they didn't add uh, anything for uh, optics uh, or anything like that. But they said they've ingraded enhancements of today's defensive pistols, which that was the standard for most guns until Glock came around, honestly. Uh, Browning High Power was way the fuck ahead of its time, uh, and it was the standard for double-stack magazines up until Glock came out with the, the Glock 17. Um, and really, all they did was just introduce polymer uh, at that point, which I think actually Browning... Did, and I can't remember. It was a previous episode when we had the gentleman, uh, Neil. I can't remember. His, I think it was Gore. I want to say Gorsuch, but I know that's not right. Anyway, the guy that did the, the biography on uh, Browning, he did come up with some sort of stuff like that. Uh, and actually, Glock did use some of Browning's ideas for the Glock 17. So, I mean, that has been the standard for a long fucking time. And uh, so... I don't know what they've done to improve it, but I just think it's cool that you have a manufacturer, a current manufacturer making high powers again. Uh, I have a uh, FN high power. It's amazing. The trigger is not great on it, um, but it's a sweet shooting pistol. Uh, so, I mean, I'm just happy about that. I'm hoping, honestly, more magazines maybe be made and they'll be a little bit cheaper because uh, I only got one magazine for mine. So that'd be pretty, pretty nice. Just saying, uh, and a couple other things I'm going to talk about before we wrap up the main segment. The first one obviously has to do with Alec Baldwin. Uh, you know, this wouldn't be such huge news if Alec Baldwin wasn't a huge piece of shit. Uh, he has come out numerous times stating that he doesn't think the Second Amendment applies to individual firearms rights. Uh, and the fact that he did this, you know, 
ignoring firearm safety uh, and you know ultimately killing one person and injuring another it's just horrible but the fact that it happened to him uh, it's kind of like karma just tastes delicious I hate that somebody had to lose their life for it but unfortunately you know it happened where some like I said unfortunately somebody lost their life but at least it happened to Alec Baldwin I hate to say it that way uh, just because he is a piece of shit now you know and that's something else. If you are at least familiar yourself with firearms and familiarize yourself with firearm safety, you know, there's a video of Will Smith where, you know, somebody was, was on a table picking up guns and they started pointing it towards Will Smith way. Uh, and he just smacked that shit down, took it from him, dropped the magazine, you know, pull back the slide, check the chamber, uh, rack the slide back and put the magazine in there and give it back to him. And, you know, Will Smith's like, you know, that's how, you know, you handle, you know, handle firearms unsafely. Sorry. I'm fucking starting to get a little slurred, starting to get a little late here. Uh, had to work today. So I had to work, feed kids, do all the normal dad shit. And then, uh, now I'm just recording now because the, the computer decided to take a shit on me yesterday. But anyway, uh, so I mean, that just goes to show, even if you are, uh, you know, pro gun control, you should still want to teach firearm safety because this is what happens when you are unsafe with firearms. Uh, and going on into the next thing, we're going to be doing a series on this podcast about getting your FFL. Now, anybody can get an FFL as long as you have the intention of using it for business and not just enhancing your personal firearms uh, collection. Now, it's not saying that you can't use that, you know, your FFL for that, but your primary purpose for your FFL has to be for business. Uh, I am going to be getting an FFL and I'm, um, you know, obviously the, the ultimate goal, uh, is to, I'm going to start a kitchen FFL, uh, make a little bit of money and then hopefully save that money up to open up my own shop. That that's uh, like a dream of mine. I would love to do that, to make enough money to sustain myself, uh, and to, you know, work around guns all day. That'd be amazing. Uh, I kind of get to work around guns all day, but not as the same way I would like if I owned my own range and shop. Uh, so I'm going to be talking about my process of getting my FFL. Uh, so that way, if this is something that you want to do, you can do this yourself. This is something that I think, uh, honestly, any person that wants to get it, they should be able to learn how to do it. Uh, and my first step is I went and checked my, you know, obviously I'm going to be working as a kitchen FFL at first. So my FFL be run out of my home. And, uh, I went and checked my local municipal, you know, miss, you know, uh, fuck my local zoning board. And I asked, Hey, I'm planning on running my own home business. I have to get a business license. Can I get a business license for a home run business out of my house? Uh, my local zoning board said, yes. Uh, you know, as long as you're not having, you know, like if I had a full size shop inside my house and I didn't have a ton of people coming in and out in a residential area, uh, you know, not, not running like a trap house or any shit like that, uh, I can run a business out of my own house. Uh, so my zoning would be open for that. Uh, and I know some other kitchen FFLs in my area, some other friends of mine have done the same thing. Uh, but like I said, I've decided to go through this whole process myself, make a little money, uh, maybe, you know, get a uh, inventory built up, maybe work some gun shows. I've done gun shows before with, for other businesses, uh, maybe do it for myself. 
Uh, so that that's kind of like maybe just my steps and my goals in getting a uh, FFL. Uh, so that was my first step. Made sure that when I got my FFL, because I have to get a business license, uh, and that's something that the ATF checks. They see if that you can get a uh, you know run a home business out of your home based on your zoning. Uh, so that's check good to go. Uh, second step is I am setting up an LLC because I want to be able to, you know, get a legitimate business going with the prospect of opening up my own store. So go ahead and getting that taken care of. Also, in case if anything happens, uh, I can protect my personal assets against anything that may happen when the FFL. So setting up an LLC uh, here in Alabama, what you have to do to set up an LLC is that you have to go through the Secretary of State, which is a state-run, you know, government bureaucracy uh, here in Alabama. Uh, I printed out the application for an LLC, and something else I had to do was called a name reservation request. Uh, so I had to print out, first I had to check on their website and see if anyone else in Alabama has the same name as my business. Of course, no one did. Uh, I'm going with 2A Lifestyle because I'm kind of sticking with that brand. Uh, so I sent in the name reservation quest along with the LLC paperwork. Now, here's my dumbass thing. Uh, and so here's my first hiccup. Uh, when starting my own LLC. Uh, so like I said, I'm, I'm going through this series with you guys so that way you can hopefully, if this is something that you want to do, you can know the, the same mistakes maybe I made uh, so that way you don't have to make them yourself. And if you guys have any questions, uh, please feel free to DM me on uh, social media. Uh, and if I know the answers, uh, I will answer them for you. If I know somebody that knows the answers to that your question, I will get the answer from them uh, and answer them for you too. Now, obviously, a lot of this might be state by state specific. Uh, so, you know, obviously, all the stuff I'm doing is in regards to Alabama. Um, Again, you know, fucking Florida, you get your pistol permit through the fucking Department of Agriculture instead of, you know, your local law enforcement agency. So shit state by state. Uh, but if, you know, I can hopefully tell you what I did and that may guide you a little bit better along of, of what you can do. Well, I got my uh, application for my LLC back Friday and I got my name reservation request uh, back today. So let me tell you what happened Friday. So I got my, you know, I did all this shit online. They give you PDF files that you can do uh, online and use in regards to what you're sending to the to the state. And uh, my dumbass. Um, so what I did is I filled it out electronically, so that way nobody can say that they didn't read my handwriting or any shit like that. Uh, so Friday, I get back my application for LLC. Now, mind you, when I, I filled out both of these paperwork's. Uh, the LLC reservation or the LLC application is $200 uh, and the name reservation request was $25. Uh, I put them in envelopes and I sent them back the exact, you know, I sent them off same fucking mailbox, same fucking day. Friday, I get something back from the state and they said that they did not receive my name reservation request. Fucking shocker. The state fucked it up. Uh, but also something else that I fucked up is that when I filled out all this shit electronically, I forgot to sign with a fucking pin my name on the bottom. Uh, in my name reservation request today, I got that back today. Uh, same fucking thing. My dumbass forgot to sign with a fucking pin 
and send that shit off. Uh, so this week I will be signing my fucking name to those things and be sending them off again. Fortunately, I don't get charged every time I send this off. So I will say that it's only once everything's approved and they send that shit off. Uh, so that is what I'm doing now is I'm doing my LLC. Uh, my next thing that I need to be doing after that is I will be getting my business license. Uh, and I hopefully I'll have that by the next time for the next episode. So I can tell you everything that I've done in regards to that. And then after that, it will be uh, filing with the ATF for my FFL license. So this is just going to be kind of a series that I'm going to be talking to you guys uh, in case this is something that you're interested in that we can kind of go on and learn together. You won't make the same fucking mistakes that I did, like not signing the fucking forms, hopefully. Uh, but that's what I fucking did. Dumbass me. Uh, I, I mailed them off. I think I, it was a long ass day at work. I just dropped them off at the mail on the way home. Uh, and I forgot to do that shit. So anyway, yeah, so that's going to be it for the main segment. Let's go ahead and start getting into the gun gear news and reviews. Well, the first few products, you know, we don't have nothing to review here because I haven't had a chance to, to go out and, and do fun shit lately. Even at that range expo uh, that I went to, it was kind of a bust. A lot of fucking vendors didn't show up. Uh, and then the ones that did show up, they just didn't have anything new to, to play with. Uh, so we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff that's coming out. The first thing, this is coming to us from Gat Daily. Uh, Umarex introduces first official Glock paintball marker. Uh, now, if you don't know what familiar what Umarex is, Umarex is a kind of like a uh, famous marketer uh, maker for air guns and stuff. Uh, they make, and actually, that's what I have uh, in a Glock 19X uh, that I use when I shoot around, you know, shoot little small steel targets in the backyard because I don't want my nine millimeter going through uh, my privacy fence and my neighbor's privacy fence into their fucking living room. They've made a uh, 43 caliber Glock replica paintball gun, basically, is what it is. Uh, it is uh, CO2 powered. Uh, and let's see, it fits a 12 gram CO2 cartridge. So basically the normal kind of, uh, CO2 cartridges that you can get at Walmart and it comes with an eight round magazine. That's pretty cool shit. Uh, be cool to, you know, if you're shooting and fucking around with your friends, you can actually see what you shot. Next thing comes to us from the farms blog, uh, and strike industries releases an extended magazine plate for Taurus G3. Now, oh man, I, you know, I, I'm conflicted in this um, just because of the fact that, you know, I, I personally don't think that Taurus makes great guns. Um, you know, a lot of people have issues with them, uh, with quality control. Now, there's some people that I know that have Tauruses uh, that are occasional shooters. You know, they don't really do training, but they take their firearms a lot out to the range uh, just to shoot and have fun. And they love their Tauruses, but then I know a lot of people that have to send them off for uh, uh, warranty repair because something broke in them. Uh, and then, of course, Strike Industries, uh, you know, they make some cool shit, then they also make some really dumb shit. 
but anyway, they, they've created a magazine plate for the Taurus G3. Uh, well, you know, which is cool just because of the fact that, uh, you know, Taurus is a very popular brand. And you want to make sure that, and honestly, regardless of what your positions, and that's why I'm, I'm kind of caveating this, is that regardless of your position, you want to make sure that whatever is out there, and if people enjoy it, you want to make sure that they have as many accessories as possible so that way they can tailor it to how they like it. So basically what this does is it adds five rounds to the magazine, uh, and they're $21.95, which isn't too bad. Uh, now, if somebody has a Taurus, do you think they're actually going to buy this because they're you know, not into that kind of thing they just kind of want a gun to protect themselves and they wanted to get the cheap $200 gun you know who knows it's it's kind of what that is in my mind I think anyway uh, because once you get a Taurus and once you start getting into guns you normally upgrade yourself and stop carrying a Taurus that kind of thing uh, next thing comes just from the firearms blog as well uh, standard manufacturing switch gun folding revolver now this is very reminiscent if you are familiar I can't remember the name of the brand uh, but basically there was a brand at one time I think it was like North American is, is what's sticking in my mind uh, it was like a little 22 magnum revolver that folded into what looked like a knife clip uh, this is basically the same concept except it folds into into what ultimately looks like a credit card and in the pictures they actually have a little video from YouTube that compares it to a cell phone like a normal cell phone it's size wise smaller than a cell phone but it's a little bit thicker obviously because of the cylinder um, so this is you know good for uh, you know what I've recommended to people uh, those little old North American folding things. Cause those little, those actually, actually had like a, a belt, like a belt clip, like a knife would had. So, uh, I told people that were into like exercise, uh, like for example, um, like my old uh, department uh, where people could go to the gym and a lot of people would run outside. It was not in the best neighborhoods. Uh, so people were asking, you know, well, fuck, man, I can't carry this Glock in, in my running shorts. Uh, what, what do you, what can I do? And that's what I'd recommend. You know, you have something that goes bang. Uh, it could, it will hurt somebody. Probably won't kill them, but it'll go bang. It'll hurt them. It'll make them think, you know, around with keep fucking around with you. Uh, and you know, it was perfect size for that kind of stuff. If you ran, it didn't pull your running shorts down. This is kind of the same thing. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a niche gun. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it for, you know, everyday personal defense. Uh, and the MSRP, it's a little high. It's, it's 449 I got a feeling that this is probably going to come in around 400 to 350 once it actually hits the stores. Uh, so be looking out for that if that's something that you're into. Next thing also comes to us from Springfield. We talked to them er about them earlier, uh, but this is a new charging handle. Uh, that is a little interesting. Uh, I'm curious to see how this works. And yeah, how it ultimately works. Basically, uh, what this is, this comes to us from Spring... Uh, I'm sorry. This comes to us from Tactical Life. And its title is Springfield Armory Levar, which is pronounced or, or spelled L-E-V with a capital A-R, like an A-R-15. So Levar charging handle keeps your rifle in the fight uh and basically what this is it's a charging handle that has kind of like a very pronounced f like wing like grip you know like a um 
like a pronounced grip on the side. And so say for example, uh, and, and this has happened to me before, uh, where a, a case might get stuck in the barrel and it's a failure to extract. So normally in situations when I've had that happen, uh, you know, you drop your magazine, uh, put your firearm in safe, and then you get a cleaning rod and you put it down the end of your barrel and you just basically beat the shit out of it until it lodge, you know, dislodges the casing that's stuck uh, in your barrel. Well, with this, basically, it is a uh, like a ratchet, like almost like a ratcheting lever uh, or a like a fulcrum that helps pull that charging handle back that will pull your bolt carrier group back uh, to try to try and extract that uh, case that is stuck in your uh, chamber. And man, I, I just can see this going horribly wrong. I really can. I can see you fucking up your uh, upper receiver. I can see you fucking up this charging handle. I can see you fucking up your bolt carrier group or your uh, extractor. Uh, I can see you fucking up a lot of stuff just manhandling that. And I don't know why they thought this was a good idea. Uh, I didn't even bother looking at the MSRP before I clicked out of it. Uh, whatever it is, I just think it's a bad, stupid fucking idea. Uh, this next thing comes to us uh, from Recoil. And, and by the way, if you don't subscribe to Recoil, I highly suggest you do. Uh, it's really cool. They just had an interesting uh, story about Bonnie Rotten uh, on there. And, I, you know, they didn't even, they, they mentioned her name like Bonnie Rotten once or twice. If you know who Bonnie Rotten is, uh, kudos for you. Uh, you and I have the same uh, filthy mind. But um, basically, she was a porn star, and they mentioned like her real name in there, but I can't fucking remember it. She, I just always remember is Bonnie Rotten. If you don't know, she's not a porn star anymore. She is actually a competitive shooter, and she is an ambassador uh, for the Firearms Policy Coalition. Uh, and you know, before this uh, this magazine, they had Chris Chang, uh, who is a uh, you know he was the winner of Top Shot. Uh, he's uh, LGBT. And he is a humongous supporter of our Second Amendment rights, which is awesome. So, I mean, I think Recoil does some amazing shit. So, just wanted to throw Recoil's name out there. If you aren't familiar with who they are, check out your local magazine stands uh, and, you know, buy or subscribe to them like I do. Anyway, uh, this comes from Recoil, and it's uh, Maxim Defense announces new PDX, the MD-1505. Now, this is a, uh, like an AR pistol. Uh, chamber it comes chambered in uh, 556 300 blackout or 762 by 39 uh, I just think this is pretty interesting because Maxim uh, you know I think the last big thing that they came out with was the Maxim 9 which is the integrally su suppressed uh, 9mm handgun so I just think it's cool that they're coming out with more shit uh, it is a little short for my liking, uh, you're going to be looking at the average barrel length of five and a half inches, which is you know good for like maybe 300 blackout, uh, especially suppressed. Uh, but for 5.56 five, and 7.62 by 39, probably 7.62 by 39 would be okay. Uh, but you know, for 5.56, five, you're using a lot of your ballistic uh, advantage for that round in such a short of a barrel. Uh, so, but I just think it's cool. That they're coming out with some new shit. And the last thing that we're going to be talking about, uh, in the gun gear news and reviews section, uh, is 
two new Plano restrictor pistol cases, uh, and this is from Ballistic. Uh, now, Plano, I think, makes some really cool shit. You know, I've always known Plano as, uh, you know, fishing tackle boxes, uh, but they make some really cool and nice gun cases as well. Now, these MSRPs are ranging from $70 to $100, just depending on which one you get. Uh, the two pistol case is $100. The single pistol case is $70. Uh, and you know, this is great. Uh, you know, having done some traveling before, you know, you want a nice sturdy case that is going to protect your firearms, uh, and Plano, these look pretty damn durable. Uh, and it's a good company. You know, if something goes wrong with them, uh, you know, they're going to assist you. It's not like, you know, fucking Harbor Freight, Chinacom, Chicom, uh, company shit. So just wanted to throw them out there and talk about that. Well, with that, uh, there's not going to be any gun culture segment here just because I didn't quite prepare for that um, on this one. Uh, sorry, but not sorry. Uh, I had a lot of fucking news to talk about. You know, normally when I do these shows by myself, uh, I normally run it just under like 55 minutes. Uh, and then once I add the buffering and shit, it goes in there uh, just, just at an hour uh, right now, I'm recording this, and I'm just about to be reaching the 1 hour 15 mark. It's getting late, and i got to go to work tomorrow, so we're going to be going ahead and wrapping this stuff up, and minus the gun culture segment, but, but we'll coming back next podcast with a gun culture segment. Little chat, love is next. Yeah, shining on my ass, yeah, it's next. Shining on my ass, yeah, it's next. Shining on my ass, yeah, what's next? Off the triple sex, starting on my ex, getting PMB rock type neck. That ain't a weird flex. Shining on my ex, yeah, what's next, bitch? Shining on my ex, yeah, what's next, bitch? Thank you. Next, send a text to your next bitch while I'm fucking on your ex. And the text real direct. Yep. Record Ralph playing HD. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to greatly appreciate you again for listening to another episode of the 2A Lifestyle. Again, apologize that it's been so long since you've gotten your last fix from hearing my sultry sounding voice. Uh, and again, we are sad that this is the first episode we are doing without Mike since he was our co-host. But again, I'm looking for a new co-host. Uh, that is something I have been in the works trying to do. And also, uh, just looking and trying to see how I can make this podcast better for you guys, the listeners. If you have any suggestions, please feel free to reach out to me on social media. I'm always look. I'm I'm very acceptable to constructive criticism uh, or suggestions. Uh, just was talking about that today at work with somebody, and uh, you know, again. Leave us that review. If you if you can, subscribe or even listening to this and leave us a review. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what you think we're doing uh, you know, good or what needs improvement. Uh, if you leave us a review, uh, again, you will be getting some free swag. So uh, there's some incentive for you to do that. Also, go ahead and check us out on our social medias. You can find us everywhere at 2A Lifestyle. We are mostly active on Instagram and Facebook, but we get on Twitter and MeWe every now and then. Also, go ahead and check out our Patreon. Everything you guys give us, it goes directly into this podcast. And I greatly appreciate your support. We will be doing something for our Patreons uh, to show our support, give you guys a little extra incentive uh, to support us through that. And also, uh, we will be getting a website. Uh, it was under 2alifestyle.com. Since Mike is closing down Just Pews, that's who we were using. Uh, but since he is closing down Just Pews, we need to 
find a new website. We will be doing that. So be on the lookout for that. And until then, I will see you guys in two weeks. And until then, keep on enjoying that 2A lifestyle.